It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome to the Locked On Bulldogs postcast, your home for the best dogs talk. It's local insight. You can't get anywhere but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me is Brian Gephardt. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. The Bulldogs postcast is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Brian, the Bulldogs from Lad McConkey to Kamari Lasseter made it clear this week that they were determined to play this game, the Orange Bowl, and finish strong. We'll go between the hedges, Orange Bowl edition, and talk about next up. But first, let's talk about our top takeaways from the Dogs' 63-3 to dismantling of the Knolls. Now, Brian, when you look at this game, what was maybe one or maybe two takeaways from this game that you saw today? Well, I think one of them was one of the things you just said in the opening, uh, Lad McConkey, Kamari Lasser, the fact that those two played along with Tate Ratledge, Cedric mm-hmm. Van Pran, you know, Javon Bullard, they really sent the message uh, from the first play of this game that it's like, okay, all these guys are playing, and the only ones that really sat out were Bowers, who's been banged up, Mims, who's been banged up, Schmel Munden, who's actually coming back next year, who who's banged up, Ra Ra Thomas. So it's really guys that are either guaranteed locks first first round picks or guys that were dealing with injuries. So Georgia made a point of finishing this thing off and, and doing it the right way. And it was just another one of those. How did Kirby do get him to do this again? How, how did we not have all these opt outs? So it was just a, a great job all around from the team effort of, of all these guys stepping up and actually playing in this orange bowl. Yeah. And that was some, a similar takeaway for me as well. Like how did he pull that off? And my takeaway was literally Georgia is, one of the best four teams in college football, but not for the reason you think. So you could certainly look down the stat line and see what the combined passing yards were between Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Colin Drake, of course, most of it with Carson Beck, but 301 yards in the air and 372 yards on the ground, just total domination from the running back room. But ultimately for me, what, what that says, and even I don't want to just give credit to the offense, right? Give credit to the defense, definitely. Uh, showing up and only allowing for three points uh, for, from the opponent. So I give them a whole heck of a lot of credit and, and taking into consideration that they were encouraged the entirety of this month that they've been waiting to kind of get that sour taste out of their mouths from the SEC championship game to go after getting more takeaways and really use those opportunities to dominate. But all of it, what you just said about everyone who played, what I just said about the dominance from all the players, it goes back to one thing, and that is that this team is one of the best four teams in college football because they have so much pride, so much pride in wearing the G and what that means. So, yeah, were they disappointed that they weren't given an opportunity for a three-peat? Absolutely. But if you look on the other side, and listen, I got to tell you this because a friend of mine asked this question earlier, and I'm not mad, BG, at the Florida State team members who opted out of the game or went into the transfer portal early to say, see ya, not doing it. I'm not mad at them. 
because human emotion is human emotion. And if they walked away from the regular season doing everything that they were told to do, meaning we're undefeated, check. We won our eight our title game for our conference, check. Shouldn't we be in the top four? Check. So, hey, if you don't want to play, I get that. That's okay. You worked and you did everything that you were told would get you there and you didn't get there. However, Georgia could make the same. They could definitely make the same argument about why they should have been there despite that that loss, if you will. But instead, their, their players just decided to make a different kind of statement, right? Their players decided our statement is going to be made on the field because we have a level of excellence that we have set for this program. There's an expectation that the program has of us and that we individually have for ourselves. So we are not just going to play, but BG, I felt like they went out and each and every player said, I'm going to give you the best I have. And that's what we saw tonight. Yeah, it was an incredible all around uh, team effort in, in that way. Like you mentioned, the offense, you could go through all the different numbers. The rushing was incredible. The offensive line dominated. Carson Beck looked good. Gunnar Stockton looked good in limited time. But you also had, you know, Michael Williams had the uh, strip sack fumble recovery. Yep. You know, you had Malachi Starks with the pick, multiple yep. turnovers. You had a turnover on special teams. You had a couple good yep. punt returns uh, from guys, a couple true freshmen with some some nice punt returns. So it was something that I, I just it, – it's so funny, having covered this Georgia team for, for a long time, mm-hmm. I, I just still can't believe certain things that Kirby's able – to get done with this team. And I think one thing that he's been so good at, and it was proved again the last couple of weeks and leading up into this game is that he really like cherishes these practices, these bowl mm-hmm. game practices. He literally thinks every, I mean, every rep really does matter that much to him and getting these younger guys in and getting these, you know, early enrollees that will be on campus uh, next month in Athens too. Like the fact all of that leads up to, okay. And I think if for him, as much as, he gets these guys up for big games and, and other games and games against Georgia tech and, and whatever it might be. I think it was kind of almost easier than some other games for him too. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, given before the national title games where it's like, Hey guys, we just lost for the first time in a while. It's been 29 straight games. Like we have to prove who we are again. We're playing an yes. undefeated power five conference championship team. And we're going to let them know, that we are Georgia. This is what we do. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to carry that momentum into next year because I think with Carson Beck coming back, the statement that they made, regardless of who does what in the college football playoff, which I know we'll talk about later on, I think Georgia's going to go into the season pre-ranked number one. And a big part of what happened this last month after the SEC championship has to do with... Yeah. I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. And you're right. It starts with Kirby Smart. We, we know it starts and ends with him, but there was this one particular time where the, where the camera panned to him and it kind of made me smile because there was joy, right? He mm-hmm. was bopping around. And, and people can say, well, of course he was. They took, you know, 49 uh, to three uh, lead into, into the half. And I get that, but, or 42 rather, 42 to three lead into the half. But I think for me, what that showed was he was leading by example. Like he knew that the person who could pick his players up off the ground after what happened against Alabama in the SEC championship game was him. He knew that how he led and how he approached this game was literally going to dictate how those guys approached the game as well. And for those who, you know, wanted to play, but maybe their bodies didn't allow them to play like a Brock Bowers, you know, he, he had understanding and compassion for them. He allowed for Lad McConkey and others to make the decision as late as Thursday. I mean, there were certain players we didn't hear from until Thursday to confirm, hey, 
I'm playing, right? And I think a lot of that was because of the way that he led. He still led with, hey, we have an opportunity, like you said, to still put an exclamation point on this season, to still serve notice that regardless of what that CFP final fallout was, one, two, three, four, that we're still in the top four of the best teams in college football. And you know him. Everything is still a recruiting opportunity. Everything is still an opportunity. <laughs> yep. Why you want to come here? So like you said, they had a boatload of early enrollees who were able to go down to Miami Gardens with them. But you know him, BG. He's thinking ahead. He's thinking to 2025 and 2026 and this being an opportunity for the dogs to put on display, not just what they're able to do this season, but hey, you can come and be a part of this. And hey, we really are still one of the best teams. So you can come and help us to get back at the top of the heap come next year. So it's always, for me, I was just kind of paying attention to him and seeing the subtle ways that this was a reload opportunity for him in so many more ways than just a a bludgeoning of Florida State. But I wanted to ask you this question too, before we kind of wrap up, because again, like I said earlier, when you think about Florida State, you can't have compassion for those players. Like you can totally have compassion an understanding of why so many of them decided to opt out and say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. But when you look at the Florida State on the flip side, only being able to muster up three points in the second quarter and being blanked the rest of the way, and of course, even the quarter before that, like, what does this mean for Mike Norvell and and his recruiting? Because I know he had a decent recruiting class and a decent early winter signing day himself, but He also has some big losses too. KJ Bolden being obviously the biggest of those. What does this kind of game or this situation do, if anything, BG, in an adverse way for him and their recruiting for the Knowles? I I really hope it doesn't do too much because I think Mike Norvell has done such a good job. And I do think they should have got the opportunity to prove it on the field uh, (laughs) as being one of those top four teams. I mean, once that game started, it's like, okay, you're out your, your top two quarterbacks. Also, Shout out to Jordan Travis for, for being there and supporting yes. his teammates and and being able to, uh, you know, provide some some leadership and some context and, and give some help uh, to the young quarterback there. But, you know, not having five of their, their starting front seven, no Keon Coleman, no Johnny Wilson. Like they really didn't have those playmakers. Hopefully Mike Morvell can flip this in a way of, all right, we need you guys. You know, yeah. we, we, yeah. We, we did go undefeated. We did do this, but we're losing these other guys who are bouncing and going. We need that next wave. Um, you know, I think they it's weird because they gave up 63 points. Right. But I also think there was like flashes of things on defense, like what you saw from Patrick Payton with the strip sack early. He was the only starting defensive lineman that played for Florida State. So I think there was good things, actually, that you could point out. It's you know absurd to say that in a 63-3 loss, but I really hope this doesn't do too too much for them. And I think, you know, this idea of going from four to 12. I think it eliminates the fact of like, well, if I go to the ACC, are they even going to get into the championship or get into the tournament? Because if this was next year, mm-hmm. AC, uh, Florida State would be one of those top four seeds locked in. They wouldn't even have been five or six or whatever. They would have been one of the four who got the buy and did all that. So I think he did enough and proved enough um, that the recruiting should be good for him moving forward. Like you said, they lost the bigger Colton uh, Bolden that they wound up going to uh, Georgia, but um, I think they've got so much to build off of. And I think this FSU program is going to be around for a while under Mike Norville. I think so too. And if nothing else, to your point, they can point to, I know it was only one series, 
But when you get a turnover on downs, no matter what series it is, no matter what game you're playing, and that's still pretty impressive for a defense to be able to do that. And also for Brock Glenn, who really hasn't had a lot of opportunity in big games to be thrust into the starting lineup for this particular game. Yes, he had two picks, but ultimately speaking, he showed a lot of poise in some situations. Be, again, being thrust into this as your starting opportunity was a lot. And I thought that he at least showed, like you said, just some flashes, just some signs of what Mike Norvell and company can work with. So definitely, mm -hmm. of course, we're going to talk more about this game on the other side when we go between the hedges, Orange Bowl style. But first, I'd like to tell you guys a little bit about game time. Now, game time, of course, is for you if you want to get a ticket for a big event, but you don't want to have to worry about it. Game time's fast. It's easy. You can go for sports, music, comedy, and theater events because I went into the app actually just out of curiosity to kind of see what those tickets were. Like, hey, if you wanted to be a last-minute person, wanted to go and check out the college football playoff semifinals, you can still get those tickets if you so choose because they have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. They take the guesswork out of buying tickets. And another cool thing, the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And I think in this day and age when a lot of times it's, it's a move you lose situation or it's, hey, you tried it, you lost it situation. At least, you know, you have a guarantee from game time. So how do you get to game time? Pretty darn easy. Download the app, create an account and use Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Again, it's a really, really user-friendly app that you want to check out. And the code is Locked On College. That's for $20 off. Go to the Game Time app, download it, and create an account. Game Time today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, BJ, it is time for us to go between the hedges. Now, like I said, you're taking a massive lead, a massive lead into the second half in fact, 42 to three at the half. Right. And you're looking at that. And you're thinking, wow, where are the dogs going to go from here? Well, they bring in the backups, they bring in the backups. And what do the backups do? The backups score 21 more points for that 63 to three win. But here's my question to you, Brian, what did you see? Not from all the backups. Cause I want to hold one backup under center. I want to hold him for a separate conversation, but what did you see from some of the backups that played in the second half of this game for UGA that makes you confident about the dogs staying in the national championship conversation next season? One guy that I got really excited about watching, and he didn't look super explosive, but I just think the way of the depth play that Georgia has is Roderick Robertson, Robinson. Yes, yes. The running back, 240 pounds. He was a bulldozer. Almost kind of reminded me of like A.J. Dillon in college. I know A.J. Dillon hasn't had the – the greatest NFL career, but that guy was such a load when he was at Boston College, so hard to bring down. Mm -hmm. And I could almost envision him being next year with the addition of, you know, ETN coming over from Florida and, and who knows what happens with Milton and Edwards if they stay or if they go or, or what winds up there. But I could see uh, Roger being a closer for Georgia next year. Okay, you are up two, three scores come mid-third quarter, fourth quarter, and he's just going to be so hard to tackle, especially with all those big uglies up front. So I thought that he was really nice. Um, you know, you saw the tight end depth with Lawson Lucky. He wound up scoring the touchdown there in the second half. Now, he actually got some a good amount of reps in the first half, and I think he needs to get in the weight room a little bit because he got he got bullied on some uh, physicality plays uh, up front a little bit, but he had the nice touchdown grab, secured it pretty well there. So I could see him 
really kind of uh, leaping and taking that next step. Next step, and then Anthony uh, Evans, who mm-hmm. had the nice touchdown pass from who we'll talk from him in a minute. Uh, Gunner Stockton, good grab from him. He also returned a couple punts. So mm-hmm. those are the guys that popped to me, and I think are going to be really good. Oscar Delt played a lot already this year, so mm-hmm. I think Georgia fans are familiar with him. No, he's not Brock Bowers, but do I think he'll be one of the better tight ends in the country? Yeah, I, I do, especially in this offense and Carson Beck's comfortability with the mm-hmm. tight end position and being able to throw there. So those are the guys that really stood out to me, especially on the on the offensive end. Uh, Robinson, just as a guy who, a former offensive lineman myself, mm-hmm. and like the way you just grind games down, and I just love that. I love the bully aspect of things late in games, and I think he can really be a closer next year for Georgia. Yeah, I literally said as I was watching this game that the statement embarrassment of riches sounds cliche-ish, except when you're talking about UGA. That, <laughs> yeah. it, it always actually is apropos. And you thought, uh, I was thinking similarly to you, in addition to the running backs, but I was also thinking, wow, yes, Brock Bowers is that once-in-a-generation talent, so you're not going to replace him apples for apples, but if you can get solid play at that tight end position, and like you said, there's familiarity with help, but I still say it was good to see him in his evolution, right? Because mm-hmm. just a couple of different times in helping to spring some of those running backs open that he is more than willing and capable of providing blocks when needed, so I thought that was good to just you to see him develop that other side of what Georgia will need out of him as a tight end. And like you said, just to be able to take a look at Lawson Lucky, uh, even a Pierce Furlan, just to be able to see those guys kind of get a little bit of work. Tight end room may be more tight end by committee next year, right? Because you're never going to replace the Brock Bowers like apples to apples, but at least you know that you have some players in there that are fully fully capable of doing some of those things that he could do and maybe combined as a as a unit maybe they can bring you uh what what Brock Bowers is able to do as a one-man show now let's switch gears and or kind of deep dive it a little bit more because yeah there was definitely one backup that I wanted to talk about specifically and kind of hear your thoughts on Gunnar Stockton what I liked about him was he showed some agility, right? We got to see him really show some fancy footwork. There were even a couple of design run plays for him, that one of which got the dogs into the red zone. That was like, I think that eight time in the game that they got in the red zone. Crazy to even say that out loud. But in addition to what we were able to see with Carson Beck in that first half, felt like Gunnar Stockton, six of 10, nearly 100 yards and two touchdowns. That was great to see just because that QB room obviously is still going to be competitive, although we know Carson Beck will have kind of right of first refusal, uh, for lack of a better term. But with with the design run plays, with the agility, with the good decision-making, that's what I liked about what I saw out of Gunnar Stockton. What did you see from him that you liked? Yeah, he's very different than we've seen the last handful of Georgia quarterbacks. I mean, even Stetson could run, but it was in a totally different way. There's a little yeah. bit more of a physicality factor to, to Gunnar, almost to compliment a guy like we just talked about with, with Roderick Robertson again, yeah. in terms of like putting those guys together and, and closing out games. I, I could see him being used in, in short yardage packages next year, uh, goal line packages as well. I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't love when you bring in backup quarterbacks to, to do that type of thing, but I could see that being a wrinkle in the offense or just to be able to uh, give teams a, a different look, especially with all that gauntlet of a schedule that Georgia has next season. But Honestly, what stood out the most to me was was that pass to, to Anthony Evans, to the true freshman there. I mean, the little touch pass that he had. So he showed, okay, I can run, I can move, I'm going to secure the football. 
I'm, I'm pretty physical. I'm a good athlete, but then also being able to throw that touch pass, um, you know, you don't, you hope nothing happens to Carson Beck next year, but I think Georgia will be okay. If anything were to happen and from an injury standpoint from Carson Beck, uh, just with the physicality that Gunner showed today. Yeah. And that's where my mind went as well. You, you don't of course like to think about injuries as mm-hmm. a possible, but like you said, that's some type of schedule when you are at Texas and you're at Ole Miss and you're at Alabama and you're going against some teams that are going to play you physical and you're going to still go against a team like Tennessee who, you know, you never know in terms of just like looking for revenge. It's it's a gauntlet of a schedule. I'll use your term and, and co-sign on that one. And so, yeah, it's good to see what some of these other players can do down the depth chart because you never know when you might need them. I think the only other thing I was uh, thinking of, and who knows, maybe – there is none, but was there anything you saw from the dog's performance today that you didn't like or that concerned you as it relates to next season? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, not really. Cause it was just, <laughs> it was just so good. Um, I, I, I guess my, my only concern still is just how many of these wide receivers are coming back. Right. Like we saw, I mean, it, is Lad McConkie going to come back is, is Kendall Milton going to come back? Because he looks so good, and he was really featured, especially in that first quarter. I think it was 6 for 86 and a touchdown, and then he had the yep. first uh, play that wound up being a touchdown there in the second quarter. So my concern now is, okay, how many of these guys actually go? How many declare? Because I actually think Lad McConkie's an oddly important person to, to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's been a very you know explosive player at times, and we still are not really sure who that playmaker is going to be. Um, You know, Georgia added a few people. Obviously, they got the number one recruiting class again, but they're only bringing in a couple of high school wide receivers. So I I, that's probably my biggest concern is, okay, out of these guys that we saw actually play, who who is still coming back? Who who is making this this leap? Because I think there's a lot of good and not quite yet great players on offense to try to make another run at this whole thing. So um, that would be my biggest concern is all right, these guys that look good and shine one more, was this their, all right, goodbye, farewell, we'll see you and go on to the NFL? Or is it, okay, this is, we're going to build off of this and make another run at this thing next year? Yeah, and I, that's something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when the transfer portal opened and also uh, headed into early sci- National Signing Day, what were the position groups that we were most concerned about? And we talked about being concerned about the O-line and being re- concerned about the receiver room just in, in terms of the explosive players and I think that to your point they grabbed a few for receiver but you kind of hope maybe they'll get one more maybe sneak in and get someone like um uh, like they were able to sneak in you know last year and I don't want to say luck up or sneak in maybe that's not those aren't the right words but ultimately speaking they they really had a nice haul there with getting Dominic Lovett I think you know that was a good one and even uh, even though he didn't play today like a rah-rah Thomas was a good get too um, and so we looked at those two days, the National Signing Day and the transfer portal open. And I think we were pretty good with where they landed as far as uh, the O-line. But ultimately speaking, yeah, you may want to get, um, whether it's this upcoming signing day in February, uh, shockingly you might get someone who's still undecided. But ultimately speaking, maybe someone sneaks in uh, in the transfer portal and maybe doors up that room a little bit more. And I know I said that was my last question before we go to break. But real quick, I do have one more question for you. Uh, the dogs, of course, beat TCU 65 to seven. That was on their way to a second national championship last season. They wrapped this season 
with another dominating win, 63 to three. But which one was more impressive to you? Oh, it had to be TCU in the national title game. When you do that in that national title game with, with everybody there and doing it in the fashion that they, they did from the get-go, because, you know, this one's going to be picked apart by people in terms of, oh, FSU didn't have anybody, you know, can we really evaluate it? Can we do this and do that? There was no question about that when it came to TCU, and they had some really good football players on that team. So that one was was more impressive to me. I mean, today was today was nice. Today today wasn't shabby at all. And and, uh, and to that point and, and that question, Tanitra, I know they flashed it in the middle of the fourth quarter. Georgia now the first program ever to have 56-plus points in back-to-back bowl games, albeit one of those being a national title. So that's another just, again, another recruiting thing that, that Kirby yep. can go with. Hey, you want to blow people out in bowl games? Come come on down to Athens and uh, we'll keep this thing rolling. So, But last year's TCU national title game was uh, – uh, a little bit more impressive than what happened today. Yeah, and and I could definitely see that. And I'll just take a slight turn in the other direction to say, while it probably, I don't know if I would say today's game was more impressive than last year's win, but I think what would make it maybe almost equally impressive is the fact that you did the polar opposite of what the other team decided to do. Again, no shade to the Florida State players. If you decided to tap out that, hey, that's your business, and that's what you decided to do. But the fact that these players came in so ready mm. and everybody came with their A game and kept their A game when they could have mentally tapped out as well after not being included in the college football playoffs, to be able to pull off this kind of dominating performance and show exactly who you are I thought was pretty darn impressive as well. So when we'll come back and we're going to talk a little bit about what's next up because there are, you know, BG, a couple other games kind of going on on Monday that maybe we can talk about, but <laughs> I'll talk to you guys about FanDuel because this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, of course, the weather is kind of up and down here in Atlanta, but for the most part, it's getting colder and colder and you're probably indoors more often and you're trying to figure out what is it that I am supposed to be doing with myself because we like to be outside. Well, the NFL offers you a little something, and that is FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, like I said, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. That's something that maybe you want to look at because there are a slew of games still going on this weekend, even tonight, tomorrow, and even into Monday. So if you want to know more about FanDuel, you want to check it out, really easy. Go to FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season, the last couple of games of this regular season, that is FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for the rest of this NFL season and into the postseason because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. So like I said, Brian, there are a couple more games that have to be played. Georgia, of course, made its statement today, period, point blank. But there are some teams that are looking to make statements as well come Monday. And it could be Michigan. Number one, Michigan taking on Alabama. Michigan wants to prove that they belong. They want to finally get over the hump, if you will. Alabama wants to prove that, hey, despite the detractors who say that we still shouldn't have gotten in or how do we speaking over Georgia or whatever the case may be, the Bama haters, they're there. They want to prove that they are the best team in the country despite an early season stumble. Then you've got Washington, 
that wants to prove that they belong in this kind of conversation with these powerhouses. And then, of course, Texas, with what Steve Sarkeesian has been able to do out there, they want to show that, hey, on our way into the SEC, we're going to show you just how much this program belongs. So that said, which of these four teams actually going to make a statement? Let me let me preface by saying I'm not so much asking the question about who's going to win it all. I'll ask you that in a second. But more of which of these four teams is going to make a statement in their game, whether it is we win our game, we do it for recruiting purposes, showing you that this is a school that you, know, you should come to, or we want to show you that we belong here, et cetera. Who makes a statement? That is a great question. Uh, it's, you know, these four teams, It's so, the matchups are so good, and all these teams are so good. This year has been awesome for college football. Yeah. I think, but I think ultimately who winds up making that, that statement is Texas. Yeah. Uh, I just think that they've been uh, rolling in the right direction. I think they're so good on the offensive and defensive line. And I think that's going to show against Washington. I also think that's going to be a home game for them yeah. in, oh, in New gosh. Orleans. I think that, you know, the UT fans are really going to take that stadium over. Um, and I could see them kind of running away with that one late as good as Washington's been. I'm a big Michael Penix fan um you know I, I hope he winds up in a good spot in the nfl but i think texas is the team that winds up making the statement uh coming up here on monday um just with their physicality and they're the team too where it's like okay they had that win against bama months ago right like that's their that's their signature win and it's almost like we haven't seen them um you know really crush a good team in a while right like washington played in that pac-12 game and michigan beat ohio state and Bama beat Georgia. So it's almost like in terms of what have you done for me lately, uh, Texas is the one who sort of needs to prove it. And I, and I think they do so. I, I think they look really good. I think they're ready to roll. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian has been in these situations with um, different programs as coordinator and, and has a lot of experience in these types of games. So uh, I think it's Texas who winds up making that statement come Monday. Yeah, I think that's a great call because after that Oklahoma loss, the very close loss to a then number 12 Oklahoma team, you literally just kind of win games against Houston, BYU, take nothing away from the 23, uh, the, the win to Kansas, or the win against Kansas State. Uh, again, they were number three at that time. They beat Oklahoma State as well, and they were number 18, but sandwiched in there, like I said, BYU. You, Iowa State and Texas Tech, not exactly a run of the gauntlet, if you will. So, yeah, I feel like they probably, to your point, hey, you won a game against Alabama on September, like you said, four months ago. So it is a situation where they probably want to prove, hey, we're in that number three spot and we're the team that really hasn't played anybody of late to kind of get there, but we want just like these other three teams, we belong and that we're here. And it's more than just about beating Alabama that got us here. Now, you got those four teams all lined up, raring to go come Monday. Who walks away Monday to get to the, the national championship and who wins it all? I flip-flop on Michigan and Bama. Not even <laughs> every day, Tanitra. Every like three hours, I flip back and <laughs> forth on this game. Because it's one of those to me that if Michigan and Bama played a week after the conference title games, I, I would have picked Michigan hands down. No, no problem. Uh, no questions asked. I, I think they're a better all-around football team. I think mm -hmm. they're a more physical football team, which is crazy to say that a team's more physical than an Alabama team, but I do think that is the case. I think their offensive line's very good. I think J.J. McCarthy's good. Corum's good. But there's mm -hmm. just something that sticks in me, and maybe it's just 
watching Nick Saban win these games over and over and over again. But when he has the time to prepare and against a Michigan offense that while it's good and it's, it's powerful up front, it's not explosive. And I think he'll figure out a way to scheme up a way to ultimately win this thing. And I, I just, I, I see Nick Saban winning winning that game, and I see Alabama winning that game, and Jalen Milrow, and them making just enough plays. But mm-hmm. I think that one's going to be a classic. I, I think we're going to get a really, really good game. Um, and that's one of those, again, to repeat myself, the Michigan thing. I, I wish it was almost a week or two after uh, for their sake, uh, but I think that's going to be a, a really good game. And then um, as far as with, with the other game, I do think it's going to wind up being Texas who wins that matchup. It's almost, you know, it's tough because these things are predetermined where, where we're playing these games. Right. Uh, but the fact that Washington 13 and zero, having beating good Oregon team twice and their PAC 12 champions, and they've got to go to, t- to new Orleans to play Texas. Who's in their biggest college football game in years. Right. It's almost right. just an, it's an unfair draw to them. It's just a, yeah. it's a tough situation that they didn't wind up at the Rose bowl and they didn't get a chance to have their fans go. So uh, I think it's Texas and Alabama who wind up winning these games. And I would have to agree with you as well, because with Alabama, we saw what Nick Saban was taking nothing away from Kirby smart, but it really did. And, you know, granted that game could have gone either way because there were one or two plays that if those plays had gone differently from Georgia, maybe we were having a different conversation, but it also spoke a lot to how Nick Saban is able to scheme. And if you give him a month, I'm going to say in a heartbeat that he is going to out-scheme Jim Harbaugh. Like, I have no problem and no reservation saying he's mm-hmm. going to them. I also think that the Georgia offense posed way more changes to Alabama's defense than this Michigan offense will. So I do feel confident that Nick Saban has a plan, and I believe that they're going to be the team that brings it to fruition. And I also think they're the team that's kind of, you know, that team that's been trending up ever since. They, they had that loss. Jalen Milrow... Uh, got seated and all of a sudden, you know, they just kind of had to figure out who they were and kind of retool and reset. And they have, they have, but I agree with you as well. I think Texas has all of the advantages that you mentioned and then some, and it's going to be interesting. Should it get to Texas versus Alabama in the national championship game, because you're going to have two teams from different angles, right? But two teams with something to prove, but I would even swing my support to Alabama in that regard, because I don't think you beat Nick Saban twice in the same season. I just don't. No, I completely agree with you too. And I I think to that point, yeah, I think Alabama has also gotten right and gotten a little healthier. And Mm -hmm. and now they have the confidence of, you know, it's so crazy because if they don't convert at Auburn, right, we're not having these conversations. We're not doing that. And then they find a way to beat Georgia Yep. And now it's okay. This is saving. Cause that's the thing. They've got the head coaching, not over anybody, anybody they play every time that they play, Nick Saban's going to be the coach until he retires. Right. And even though, you know, and then he's, if he does wind up getting that matchup against Sarkeesian, you know, that's a former coordinator of his too. And we know how he's done against uh, former coordinators. And Kirby's really the only one who's beat him. I think there's, there's one other who I can't remember right now, but his record against former assistants is, is absurd. So uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, it's crazy that Bama's here and in the spot after after what happened. But this Bama team is much, much different and much more developed than they were when they lost to Texas, you know, several months ago at this point. Indeed. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting battle of two teams come Monday. And listen, we appreciate you guys stopping by after 
this great and incredibly dominant win of Georgia over Florida State, 63-3 to be the Orange Bowl champions. We appreciate you, as always, for stopping by the Locked On Bulldogs postcast, your home for the best dogs talk. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And listen, you guys, if BG and I don't get an opportunity to speak with you on behalf of Brian Gephardt, our guy Jarvis Davis, who's on our postcast for Georgia as well throughout the season, we want to thank you guys for always rocking with us. We want to wish you guys a happy new year. And hey, don't forget to come back tomorrow because we will have our Locked On Falcons postcast in full effect. See you then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.